Welcome to NetFront Presence. I'm Jeff Gordon, the Post-Dispatch, joined by our beat reporters, Jim Thomas and Tom Timmerman. And this is a happy, happy, happy podcast because our heroes uh, got uh, three points out of four against uh, direct rivals in the Central Division. Uh, they cling, Jim Thomas, to mathematical life, and they showed a little bit of scrappiness and, uh, you know, maybe not the prettiest effort, particularly uh, these last two games, but... Um, they, they did appear to be trying to, uh, to, to get points, JT. And uh, lo and behold, trying to play some defense. Where, where has that been <laughs> all year? But, I mean, especially, uh, you know, very unfortunate ending. Some of it a pure luck with the, with the bounces against uh, Colorado, but a lot of it's stuff they could have prevented with uh, just a, a, a little stronger play, especially in, in, in front of the net. But, uh, uh, yeah, where, 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 where's this been all year? It, ma- it makes you wonder. Uh, and and if you're a fan, maybe you're maybe you're a little aggravated by it. Uh, uh, you know, just just the defense. They just very rare flashes of this all season. There was that two to nothing uh, shutout in Edmonton. They've had a couple other games where the the defense has been good, but uh, this is like a, a stranger that only shows up at your house, uh, a welcome stranger. Uh, you know, maybe once every uh, every couple of weeks, weeks or so. But uh, it was good to see. Now, can we just see it a little bit uh, more often, which judging by what's happened this year, I, I highly doubt it, but who knows? Yeah, it was kind of classic blues hockey in that it wasn't all that exciting for long stretches, but it uh, uh, they got the job done defensively. I mean, they, you know, the one, you know, they were, it was one, nothing, one, one against, uh, you know, Colorado for, a, you know, up until the, the bitter end. For two, one. I mean, they held Colorado one goal for a long time. So it's, they're, they're doing that defensively. The penalty kill, well, I'm sure we'll get to that, but good gosh, it's like night and day. And, um, and, and they, you know, they need that to happen. Yeah, you know, offense, you know, still very much a work in progress, not creating tremendous amounts, but, you know, they're, they're getting there. And I think if they can hold teams to one or two goals, you know, they'll be in a lot better shape because, you know, expecting this team to score four or five is a stretch. But if they're getting back to winning three to two, three to one games, that's probably how they're going to have to survive. Well, Jim, uh, Tom did uh, mark the moment uh, with a brief ceremony in the press box uh, at the moment in which the, the Blues climbed out of dead last in the league uh, in, on the penalty kill. And it was an emotional time, I'm sure. And maybe even the, the Blue staff took a, a moment to, to, to recognize the moment. But uh, just hard to imagine um, this team having been that bad for so long on the PK, which, you know, just a year ago, most of the same guys. Pretty darn good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and traditionally a, a good PK, at least, uh, you know, in, in, the, in the recent uh, tenure, during the Armstrong uh, tenure. And, uh, yeah. And they, they uh, after Tom Mark that day that they, they moved ahead of Anaheim, they, they proceeded to kill off another penalty or two. And we, they woke up this morning as only the second worst. PK in the league. It's a brand new day. It's a bright new day, fellas. The Blues are no longer 32nd in the penalty kill. They're not yet at 70%. Mm-hmm. And uh really, even if you're in the 70s, you're not, you're not, uh, you're not, you're not very good. But uh uh they look a little bit more aggressive. It's good to see uh uh you know Bortuzzo was a healthy scratch. That's what he does best, I think other than the occasional, and he was, he was pretty aggravated. I never was able to work any of it into my story, but uh, Bortuzzo had an interesting uh, 
night all around knocking helmets off, uh, uh, getting some uh, uh, FaceTime, I'll call it, with uh, Tanner Janot, and, and, and they, 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 they need that out of him. The other thing that I noticed about the PK is that, uh, and, and Tom was busy industriously uh, looking up their time for the year, looking, uh, you know, you haven't seen a ton of Saad and Barbashev, and especially Barbashev in recent years is, has been a mainstay. And Barbashev and Saad, when they're on the PK, have generated offense, at least for the first, what, two periods. Some of the Blues' best offensive chances were when they were shorthanded. So that's pretty new, putting those two guys uh, out top. We just, they haven't played a lot this year. Something probably I need to, or we need to ask uh, for Ruby why, you know, Barbashev hasn't played much because, again, he's been a, uh, he's been kind of a standard bearer. On, on the PK. Yeah, no, the, and the way Brandon Saad has played, and it could be that it's just two games and it, an anomaly, but geez, I mean, he's, he's had, was, has he had like three, you know, shorthanded scoring chances? I mean, the guy, it's amazing what he's done. So they have made big strides there and that's going to be one of those things because it was almost automatic goals there for four or five games where you go, you take a penalty. When you come out, it's going to be one, nothing. Uh, or there'll be one goal scored, but they're not doing that. So if they're, it's one of those things that they're going to turn this around. That's one of the things they got to do is not giving up cheap goals um, on the, uh, on the penalty kill on the power play. Another key part of all that, of course, is, uh, you know, your goaltender has, has got to play well. And while uh, Jordan Bennington is, uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's not, it's often not pretty at, currently um, his compete level was quite high. Uh, JT, you know, he, you know, and he's out there getting out top of the crease. Uh, he's flying around, he's uh, flopping around. He's, uh, he, he was, uh, he was fully locked in and competing. And, um, at least, uh, despite getting, you know, brushed and, and getting his wrist pounded with a slap shot at, at the same time, uh, you know, kept it together. So, I mean, back to back starts at home, which, uh, is easier to handle uh, in terms of workload, but, you know, they need so much more from, from Jordan Bennington than they've gotten. And for at least two nights, uh, save for some bad luck uh, against the Lanch, it was, uh, it was pretty good for, uh, for, for the old Benner. Yeah, it sure, it sure was. And that nice bounce back to, to me, pretty, pretty surprising uh, that uh, Bennington would, would get the uh, backs to back, back to backs. He, it's only happened twice in his career. The, the first one was a weekend, uh, uh, Tom covered it was their first game against Boston up it was up in Boston since game seven so we're talking the uh, what the 1920 season and he had only like he had a light night they lost three to nothing one of the goals was a was a uh, empty netter he only had like 22 shots and then he goes to Detroit and they win in overtime and then the following year in uh, March I, I don't know if you guys recall it was a game up it was late March up in Minnesota the Blues lost two to nothing and Bennington faced 11 shots yeah. 11 shots on goal and uh, then he started the next day against Anaheim uh, the, the, the thing with Bennington is he's he's not uh, a hefty guy uh, he's mm-hmm. he's remained very thin and uh, I think he wears down uh, when, when he's overworked. And I, I thought that was part of the part of the thing that was going on with him in his, his recent slump. So uh, boy, that, uh, that fourth goal that Thomas Grice gave up uh, 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 in, in, in his last start must have really left an impression because it was a, the definition of a bad goal. But yeah, 
Bennington, his eighth try at his 100th win, eighth. He was 0-6-1 in his previous uh, seven tries to get his 100th career win. Uh, 4.77 goals against and a 0.840 uh, save percentage. I realized the defense in many of those games w- w- was bad, very bad around him, but uh, you, you've got to do better than that. Goaltenders, the, the really good goaltenders will win games that the team had no business winning. And, and uh, Bennington kind of start. he had a couple games like that early, but uh, uh, then fell into fell into the slump and got frustrated. And what a world we live in. In one week's time, we go from Baruby saying, knock your crap off, uh, just play goal, to last night he called him a true blue. What a competitor. He's the definition of a blue. I don't know what world we're living in. It's been a crazy year, and we have, what, 55 more games of this uh, madhouse here. You know, there was a stat that I did not use in my blues penalty kill is bad story. But the, the Blues, at that point, and I haven't updated this, know where it stands now, but at that point, the Blues had the fourth worst save percentage by goalies uh, when they were shorthanded. So um, the, it was talking about goalies being part of the penalty kill. The Blues goalies weren't helping. They, they were as bad as people in the league. Now, some of that obviously is the chances may have been beyond their control, but they were still, it was not good. So, you know, that's another thing they got to clean up. And, you know, Bennington, you know, the expected goals, you know, I think last night was, was around two for Nashville. So that's, you know, they, that's two goals right there that, uh, you know, in, in a normal circumstance, you'd expect a team to get. So a good game uh, there for Bennington. Now, JT, you've developed uh, some rapport with uh, the, with Bennington over the years. Uh, could, could you possibly suggest that he, uh, he, he check in with Robin Leonard to see what uh, diet that the, uh, the currently injured uh, Golden Knights <laughs> goaltender uses? I, I'm guessing that Leonard basically subsists on fudge and sausage gravy. Um, but it seems like uh, Jordan. Normally two good food groups, I might add. Yeah, I mean, I, hey, I'm a big fan of both. Not together, of course, because that would be gross. But sausage gravy on pretty much anything, and then fudge with any meal. So, um, but it just just a little bit of sustenance, just a little bit of you know carrying around weight. I mean, back in the day, uh, a Blues goaltender Greg Millen could could go all day and go and be a durable guy. And you know, and and and, and Millsy did not uh, had a bit of a pear shaped uh, you know build. It's it wouldn't it's not unusual for goalies just to carry a little bit there to pack a little bit extra for you know for these uh, these grueling seasons. Yeah, you need a little padding, I would think, to help help stop the uh, stop the, uh, the the pucks. That that's for sure. And and this point was driven home. You know, they have the different things on in between periods on the video scoreboard, or even during TV timeouts. And they they showed some uh, clips from uh, one of the Blues uh, charity golf tournaments over the summer, and they showed Bennington and. He looked like, I don't know, he, he looked like if he turned sideways, you might have to really strain uh, to, to uh, see him. So, yeah, just just a few pounds. Yeah, you, you don't have to go on the, uh, what do they call Leonard, the panda? You don't have to go on quite the panda diet, but just just maybe five, ten pounds. What, if we put him what, maybe a month on the sports rider diet, he could get there, right? <laughs> right? It must be the metabolism because it doesn't lack for opportunities to eat, you know, whether on the team plane and the – in the uh, dining area at the, either at Centene or at Enterprise, there, there is food there. So it's it's not as though we have to bring food to Jordan Bain and be getting him to 
consume the food. But also he needs to, I don't know if, how quickly that food would go to his legs. I would think that would be the thing. The, the legs are, I was marveling at that the other day, are, are very narrow. I, I once told him uh, very when he was on his run in 18, I said, you have the skinniest legs of any St. Louis athlete I've seen since Isaac Bruce, but you know, it worked for Isaac. So. Yeah. I, you know, I could give my, you know, my personal advice, you know, what worked for me and, and it worked for uh, uh, Dave looking on the beat as well um, to try to maintain your sports writer weight was the uh, you get back to the hotel and the late night Marriott burger. You know, that room service 24 7. They'll bring you up that uh, the giant cheeseburger with bacon on top with a couple of Budweiser's and some fries. And then you go right to bed. You eat that, you pound that down, and then boom, right to bed. And, you know, you do that steadily all season. You're, you know, you're not going to be considered, uh, you know, wafer thin by anybody. So, I mean, it's a tip. That's a pro tip for all you people out there who travel if you're looking to try to keep your weight up. That's the way to do it. Um, so, but all right, moving on to another topic of that was. This was discussed by everybody from the elevator operator at, at Enterprise Center to the security guards to, and I'm sure uh, somewhere out there, Aunt Judy was making the same point. Um, you know, so you get down, you're, you're up a goal. The other teams pulled the keeper. You know, they, they, they had a late uh, power play. They, they got the goalie off. They're, they're, they're pinning you in. Uh, time's running out. You know, there's like 10, 15 seconds to go. At this point, you're up a goal. And you're trying to just get to the finish line. So what if you take a penalty? So what? They got a short. So basically, that should be a signal to literally, well, not literally kill everybody on the ice, but in a sense, as they say, kill the play. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, if a guy is standing around uh, around the net, just drive him to the ice, smash his body to the ice, hit him as hard as you can with your stick, knock him to the ice. The next guy, just start knocking everybody down with your cross-checking people in the back of the head, whatever. You get fined, you get fined, you get a suspension, you get a suspension. You're trying to win a game. Am I wrong? I mean, is, I mean that's a slight exaggeration, JT, but you get to the end of the game, what's a penalty? Right. And, you know, these guys are all rich, so what's a fine? You don't want to get suspended. I mean, Okay, you don't want to just hit a guy in the back of the head with your stick. That's dangerous. Maybe just the score kidneys, him. Yeah. Yeah, you kidneys, fine. You know, just pound them. Yeah. Jeff, somehow I have a feeling you're referring to those frantic and uh... – uh, to Blues fans, tragic uh, final, maybe it was it about 15 seconds of uh, uh, of regulation against uh, Colorado when uh, I believe uh, the Avalanche had KOA stickers on their jerseys because they were literally <laughs> camping out in, uh, in, in, in front of the net. And uh, uh, yeah, it, and it happened twice. Not only did it happen at the end of regulation, it happened in overtime, which is a little bit of a different beast since it's three on three uh three on three play but yeah you're 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 exactly right when uh with with uh when the goal the goal was scored i guess with nine seconds left to tie it uh the the second of the renton and hat trick yeah just mm-hmm. just shove them shove them out of the way i mean uh, just shove them to the ice and the other thing too barbashev uh you know so to your point yeah what's a penalty if there's if there's nine seconds left you have to have a face off by the time they win the faceoff, maybe there's six seconds left, so maybe they're going to get a shot, and and maybe not. I I, it's almost like in football, if you're down on the goal line and and just have defensive holding or be offsides, because what's what's half the distance to the goal line if they're down there on the one? How much is that going to hurt you? Or even you know pass interference a little bit different because you'd get a you get a you get a first down out of it. But yeah, 
yeah, wh why not? And it, it was really uh, aggravating. The uh, it gave more fuel to the uh, the Colton Pareko uh, uh, faction that uh, wants him uh, traded yesterday. Uh, and although Pareko, it was more Mikola on the uh, regulation goal, and then Pareko on the overtime. But even even on the other side, Pareko could have uh, uh, could have prevented a stronger front. I noticed. In the uh, and Nashville's known as a team that crashes the net, that gets to the net. They're big, they're physical, because uh, I watch it a lot. The Blues made a concerted effort, really a concerted effort to keep the crease clean. My question is, why do you have to go through a game like they had against Colorado to say, yeah, we need to do that on a consistent basis? And uh, I'm sure that's reason probably number seven of like 25. Why any day now? Ruby's head might just explode. You know, but on the NFL teams that are inside their own one calling a timeout rather than taking a delay of game penalty. It's like, you know what? Take the delay of game penalty. They're going to move you three inches back. What's the, what's the problem? So anyway, um, yeah, you know, and if that uh, Barbers have losing the helmet, I, I think that's one that they would whistle dead, like almost immediately. So I don't know how long, you know, if it was like the no, case where it was a delayed penalty, maybe you can you can steal a few more seconds. But yeah, that yeah, and that's something I don't know that you know coaches have talked to their team about as to when if you were to lose your helmet in that situation, what to do. And that's one of those ones that I guess people need to talk about is in that situation. Yeah, you just gut it out because that's a, a very instinctive play. But you'd hate to have Barbershev say, "What's what's the time? Am I under ten seconds? Do I can I do I need to get out of here, or can I take this penalty?" Well, you're you're allowed to pick up the helmet if it's right there. It yeah. was like two feet yeah. away from Barbershev. Just pick it up. You're allowed to pick it up, put it on your put it on put it on your head and and on your noggin. And and there was there was about fourteen seconds left when that happened. So if they call the penalty, yeah, okay. So what? So yeah, that that made it uh, that made it even worse. Uh, because then they, for, for just a second, uh, they, they had an extra man advantage. O'Reilly, mm -hmm. by the time O'Reilly got out there to replace Barbashev, maybe they don't get a clean look on the one timer that started the sequence if Barbashev mm -hmm. uh, doesn't leave the, uh, leave the ice. Yeah. Well, the frustrating was... part, you know, JT, about this is, you know, um, it is hard to, people say, well, just clear the crease, clear the crease. But uh, you know, so Mikolo does that, clears the crease when a guy backs in, basically backs into the crease yeah. and, and on top of Bennington. And now he's trying to get him out of there. And of course, he kind of pushes him through the, the net mm -hmm. and, you know, through Bennington, through the net, and rather demonstratively to do that. But then that's a penalty. So mm -hmm. fans, I mean, and that is in the old days, you could just, you know, anything around the net, it was just assumed that you could do whatever you wanted to, you know, short of, you know, the cross check to the back of the head that I mentioned earlier. And the other than that, you're going to get a couple of good cross checks, anything in front of the net, because it's in front of the net, you know, in fairness, now the way the game is played, very difficult for a defenseman. You have to box out and you're trying to watch the play and box out at the same time. And it's not as, I will say this, it's not as easy as many fans seem to think it is uh, to, to keep that area clear. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's a great point. That was a Mikula penalty against uh, Nashville. Luckily for the Blues PK, I mean, we don't want to get too excited over the PK or the defense. Nashville's not a good offensive team at all this year. They were like 16.7% on the uh, power play. They were in the mid-20s, and entering the game, they were 29th in, in goal scored. So not exactly 
a juggernaut of an offensive uh, team, our penalty, our, excuse me, power play team they were playing uh, last night. Yeah, they missed a lot of shots. They, they had some chances there that uh, uh, Bennington didn't, didn't have to worry about saving because they were, they were off target or they didn't get shot. Uh, they, they, you know, they, they fumbled the opportunity to do it, which is something the Blues still do from time to time. They, uh, there are some chances there that they are not getting their um, sticks on. Yeah, and let's let, so let's pick at the offense a little bit. You know, Benjamin Hockman wrote about it. You know, this is not a dynamic offensive team. This is to your point earlier, Tom. You know, you're not going to see this team score four or five goals a night. Uh, it should be better though. And you know, and again, um, certain members of the press corps just literally cannot stand to watch, even for 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 ten seconds, the Blues attempt to to, to function on the power play. It, it's just too much to bear. To watch these guys, A, don't win the offensive zone draw to set up. B, uh, iffy on the zone entries. Uh, once they get something clean, sometimes they get in clean and sometimes they don't. And on the odd chance when they're actually able to get in and set up, then it's like pondering life's mystery, circling around, um, you know, trying to see what sort of pass they can, you know, throw through traffic. And, uh, you know, with the only man on the team who's shot-minded, uh, Josh Levo, which is pretty much a disaster because you certainly can't put him in the David Perron role on a power play. Uh, it is, it is in all fairness, um, without being too dramatic, just horrible to watch these guys with the man advantage. I mean, it just, you might as well just take, you know, a, a blunt instrument and smack yourself upside the head over and over again as, as to watch them with the man advantage. Adventures and overpassing. And that's when they cross the line. And Thomas, very diligent about letting us know when they they reach the forty second mark of a of, of a power play before they finally get it across the uh, blue line. You know, uh, it was a year or so ago. Craig Berube basically outlawed the backwards pass, but it remains a staple of the uh, of the uh, power play. And uh, yeah, it's frustrating. The the uh, uh, the Blues are I, I think they're about two point nine goals a game, which is uh, below. Now, and granted, scoring is going way up. That's below even their, their Stanley Cup uh, 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 team was just right at three, I think. But scoring's up. It was up. It was the highest last year since 96. It's even higher than that this year. But the 22-23 uh, the, uh, Blues have not gotten that uh, memo. I thought they, they, they wouldn't uh, score as much as they did last year, which was, I think, the third or fourth highest scoring team, something like that in blues history, but that they'd still score plenty of goals, but it's just, uh, it's just not happen happening. And uh, it's on a lot of different levels. I mean, some of their top players aren't producing, but also they're, they're not getting the depth scoring and not to single out the Aussie, but Nathan Walker, he had eight goals last year in about 45 games. So that was like a pace that had, he played 80 of, uh, hmm. of, uh, you know, maybe 12, 13, 14 goals. And, and I don't even know if he's had, a good scoring chance and, and he's played in, you know, a good portion of their, their, their 29 games. So it's, it's uh, kind of all, all over the place uh, with the scoring. And, and again, throughout the league, uh, it's uh, it, 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 scoring, uh, scoring is at record setting uh, levels. Um, <clears throat> excuse me while I get set there. Um, yeah. I think two of their last 17 power plays they've scored. So that's not good, but in the last two games, that one five on five goal. So that's not a whole lot better um, either. So it's, um, you know, it's, there, there's work to be done. And you look, yeah, and you look and say, well, you know, Josh Label 
takes a lot of shots, but boy, you know, when he's in, when he's one of your top six or top nine, depending how you set up the lines. Yeah. it's just, I don't know, you know, but, but the blues don't have help there. It's not like there is someone in, you know, waiting in Springfield is going to come up or it's not like Logan Brown is going to come off IR and score you, you know, you know, three a week or something. The, 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 the guys aren't there and the depth shooting, you know, Last year, Shannon Barbershop had extraordinary shooting percentages, produced way more than they probably should have gotten, and it's kind of to be expected. This year, it's going to come back to earth, and I think we're seeing a lot of guys that had career years last year kind of coming back to earth. Yeah, the analytics guys were right, as it turned out. You know, we like to make fun of them, and they are all over this team, like, oh, yeah, this team is going to have some a lot more trouble scoring than they did a year ago, and, of course, that that is – Proven true. I, I do like uh, Josh's uh, spirit when it comes to throwing the puck at the net, but you know, almost all of his shots have no chance of going in. But at least he's throwing them in because he's they're just obvious shots that when the, with the goal right at the goalie's well positioned. But at least he's forcing the goalie to make the save and creating a rebound. And who knows, something could happen along the way that causes the puck to go by the goalie could hit something. So at least the spirit's there. Uh, JT on the plus side, it would seem that um, as his team prepares for some tougher uh, challenges heading back to the road and such that uh, pretty good chance that Pavel Buchnevich will be back. And he was one of the few blues that was in a pretty good place offensively before, unfortunately uh, he had an untimely injury. Yeah. You know, we, we were uh, uh, the other day, I don't know how we got on this, who, wh what blues player while we we're at the, uh, the, one of the morning skates, what blues players played well this season and we thought and thought, and <laughs> I think it's Buchnevich and maybe a Chari. Out of mm -hmm. a 23, throw in some of the extras out of a 25-man roster or whatever it is. But, uh, you know, he was hurt early and a little bit of a slow start. And since then, he, he's, yeah, he's been a consistent uh, player. A lot of minutes. There have been a couple of games where uh, he's led the forwards in, in uh, uh, minutes, which very unusual, very unusual for someone who does not play center. But he skated uh, – with the team during the, the optional morning skate that they had uh, uh, before uh, yesterday's game and was moving around really well. And uh, the chief said he, he's getting closer. So I would think with two more days, looks like an ankle. I don't, I don't know what exactly happened. He was the, uh, uh, as we mentioned, we, we, we saw him uh, limping a few days ago, uh, pretty noticeably in the, uh, in the uh, press box, but uh, he's not limping now and he's looking pretty good. So maybe, uh, uh thursday uh night what, what's the first game there tommy uh, edmonton edmonton for yeah. edmonton then calgary tom timmerman making a rare venture in western canada hide the women and children alberta tom timmerman is coming to your town so yeah i would think that butchnevich will be out there uh you know god bless uh Torpchenko, but he ju he just looked weird on a line with uh thomas mm -hmm. and Cairo. it just it just didn't seem right but uh uh, we, we could see uh, Buchnevich uh, there uh, in, in, in Western Canada. Yeah, and the, I will say the forecast for Edmonton had been for a high of 12 on uh, Wednesday and Thursday there. But now the forecast has improved. We're a high of 25 in Edmonton. So it's not quite, I mean, 25 I can handle, you know, but. Uh, People will be wearing the, shorts. You'll get off yeah. the plane. People will be wearing it's, shorts. It's, in it's and no snow. So I think that bodes well for travel, uh, getting up there. Yeah. I think the question is, you know, what blue would go to the all-star game and, you know, you would probably, you, 
I don't know anyone other than Buchnevich at this point who would be a uh, would be a candidate uh, for it. Uh, one last topic on the net front before we we, we get away. It's uh, it's been brought to uh, to our attention that um, uh, lame duck winger Vladimir Tarasenko on the last year of his contract, uh, JT. Uh, there is a view um, building in the media that perhaps he has been uh, not a dynamo uh, offensively that, you know, he did, he's banged around a little bit certainly had a, a really nice bad angle goal the other night where he just fired it, uh, which is what he can do. But on balance, um, you know, uh, has left at least some, some observers wanting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, there have been a lot, a lot of scouts at enterprise for this time of year during this co current homestand. Every once in a while, I'll glance at the board where they, they list the media chart, a uh, seating chart, but they also list the scouts and there were scouts from 11 teams there uh, last night and 13 teams uh, against Colorado, which is a lot. And, and uh, uh, some of the fans, they're acting like you, you have to be invited to show up. No, I think the rest of the league knows the position the blues are in. And that it's not it's not looking good, and they're they're checking out the players. And yeah, I think the thing with Tarasenko is this year, and he's still on pace. He's on pace to score maybe maybe mid twenties, but he just to me, and and I think some of the people I've talked to agree, he doesn't look engaged night in night out. Now we all know. I go back I, several times to the Stasny quote about when Vladdy's not scoring, he gets pouty. So there's a little bit of that. That's that's kind of been part of Vladdy's game forever, but he, he there, there, there are people uh, uh, that think he's just not engaged an, uh, enough uh, during games. Now he, he has been these, these last couple of games and, you know, here's the thing. Fans are oh, clean house. There needs to be changes. Even if the blues win the Stanley cup, there are going to be changes. Barbashev contract up. Tarasenko contract up, O'Reilly contract up, Mikola contract up. Uh, at least two of those four, maybe three of those four, are not going to be back under any circumstances. So, fans, this is going to be a retooled roster. It's just a question of to what degree. And Tarasenko, who has yet to come out either directly or through his agent and say, ah, no, I actually like it here. I, I would like to stay. We we haven't heard anything remotely uh, considering that. So uh, yeah, I you know I I think it's kind of status quo on Vladdy that that he's not going to be back, and it's just a uh, a matter of of when. Again, if he if he can avoid it, Armstrong's not going to give these guys away. I'd heard he was getting a lot of calls, Armstrong, from teams all over the league during the eight game streak, but nobody was offering anything. Uh, you know, so he, he's just going to wait and he may have to grin and bear it if the team continues to take its lumps between now and the trade deadline. But, uh, yeah, the roster is going to change. It's just a matter of how much. Yeah. Martin Brodeur representing the uh, New Jersey Devils was in the uh, press box uh, for the uh, Colorado game. So, um, yeah, and people looking all over. Vladimir Tarasenko, five hits, credited with five hits in last night's game, eight hits in the last two games. Um, you know, that's uh, close to a month's worth of hits for uh, Tarasenko. So uh, doing there, he didn't have any shots on goal last night, but he did have five hits. So that's uh, uh, something that's a, a change of pace. Uh, when he's when he's hitting people and when he's getting to the net instead of just mm -hmm. sitting on the perimeter, that that's when you know he's engaged. 
Do you think you can look up that far up and see that there are scouts there? I know like in junior hockey, the thing was kids would pick up their pace if they noticed a bunch of guys in suits, um, you know, sitting in the corner of the, the arena, you know, spot <laughs> checking them out. I mean, kids pick up their play when the same in the minors. They very much, if they found out the scouts were there in the minors, you know, the, the late Bob Plager would always tell his players when the scouts were in, because that's, he, he did a lot of that over the years, uh, minor league scouting. He would tell the guys the scouts are there to look for players. You think he looked up there and noticed all those guys up there? You know, Tony Herkus and the rest of the gang up there? Well, if nothing else, the, the healthy and injured scratches might tell him. Uh, you know, Pete yeah. Savage has been up there in the press box lately. You know, they, they come down at the uh, at the end of the game, uh, and and uh, uh, you think maybe Booch would tell him, hey, scouts, scouts, scouts are in town. Better be on your, uh, uh, better be on your game. Uh, we'll see what happens with uh, with 91 and the rest of our heroes. Um, that'll be it for this edition of Netfront Presence. We got through it pretty much positive. You know, I had to point out a few negative things, of course, because that's what we're here for. Well, it but, seemed like uh, there was a lot of like gruesome, you know, physical, you know, we were bludgeoning with hammers and what have you. It, it did take a dark turn uh, at, at times, but but not a gloomy turn. Well, you know, just 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 because my roots are back in the old Chuck Norris division days where it was very medieval. Um, mm -hmm. The play around the net was medieval. You know, Rick Zombo uh, having a very successful uh, college, uh, college coaching career to taking Lindenwood forward. He was a master of like he, he knew that he could get three good cross checks and maybe by the fourth one they might send you off. You know, Rick wasn't a big guy, but he played big. I mean, that was the way it was. You know, and, uh, and I'm not hard. And again, I don't want to see a bunch of guys get injured because you know, just for my entertainment. But, you know, a, a little more robust hockey wouldn't be the worst thing. Apparently, Mikula got warned. Baruby, after his formal press conference, told, told us that the the, uh, the officials warned him about the cross check. So I guess in today's hockey, instead of getting three and four, maybe only get two. And then <laughs> there's a limit. I'm going to call it. So now he used up his deductible there, Tom. So. Uh... <laughs> It was time to, time to, to, to cut it out. All right. Well, listen, we got to send Tom up to northern, uh, to Western Canada, uh, and uh, so we will hear from him uh, next week, along with Jim Thomas. Uh, for all of us here at Netfront Presence and STLToday.com, uh, again, we appreciate your support. Tell your friends about us. Uh, keep subscribing to uh, the newspaper and STLToday.com. Until next time, for Jim Thomas, for Tom Timmerman, I'm Jeff Gordon. See ya. Thank you.